Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Howard Cross. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes in multiple ways. If you'd interact with us here on the program, you give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So the Giants are in Motown, joint practices with the Lions. It wrapped up earlier today. They'll do the same thing again tomorrow before their Friday preseason game. So we'll get into the ins and outs, at least in terms of what we're hearing came out of those practices, as well as the unofficial depth chart that was released earlier today. So I know a lot of people like to read into that. Yes, look at you setting the tone for the upcoming discussion. That's so funny. I know. Well, hey, you know, this is what happens. As you well know, Howard, in the midst of the offseason, we need something to overanalyze. No. No. <laughs> not well, they, you're not even putting an not, ounce of no. stock in I it. I could care less. Does not even rock your boat. No. No. You don't even know. Okay. Who made the team yet? <laughs> we still have a 90-man roster. Yes. Exactly. We still have plenty of ways to go to get to 53. And we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll see if maybe Howard calms down and opens up a little bit more <laughs> to the depth chart. But in all seriousness, as far as the joint practice, we've seen the Giants do this before. This is nothing mm -hmm. new. We've seen plenty of teams in the NFL. And I think a lot of coaches seem to be now of the mindset, Howard, that if you get good work in amongst the top starters for the opposing team, it's more of a reason why you don't really need to overwork these guys in the preseason game come Friday. <laughs> I, I tell you what it is. So so the way that it changed from 30 years ago, I guess, and migrated to where it is now, 30 years ago, guys used to have two-a-day practices. The first practice was on pads because it was really the coolest part of the day, and then later in the day you had on shoulder pads and helmets, maybe, maybe just helmets. You did a lot of the passing drills, a lot of special teams. They migrated from that uh, – I guess it was somewhere in the 2000 when Drew Brees, Sean, uh, Sean, I got Sean, you know, Hare and all those guys, sure. they were like the uh, the union reps. And the union reps was like, we don't need that, that kind of practice. We don't need to be around that much. So the moment they did that, the union, instead of going like, well, you know, we should be thinking about this because they could have repercussions. So here are the repercussions. NFL is enjoying the, the fruits of the labor of like uh, TV TV revenues because they went Thursday night games, Sunday night games. They got games on all the time, and they went from a 16 game schedule to a 17 game schedule. So everybody goes, well, you know, they cut one of the preseason games. Yeah, but you harder and harder to get guys ready to play. When young guys come in, especially offensive linemen, they have a hard time adjusting to non practice and non contact. I say it all the time, you know. Football is a little bit like boxing. You have to spar the opponents and spar the type of opponents you have to play against. The whole idea of overworking or underworking guys, we played hard. We had two-a-days. When I was in college, we had three-a-days. No one got hurt. It's just that they just didn't want to spend their time practicing, and that's what changed it. So this this opportunity to practice against another team is an opportunity for you to ramp up the reps, the speed, and the pace because you're playing against someone else. And now you have this ideal that, hey, I could actually go full speed to work on my technique. It's sad that that's how you have to do it, but we used to do it back in the day. I practiced against Cleveland. I practiced against the Patriots. I even practiced against the Jets one one week. So you, we, we've done it forever. But the ideal now and the, and the talk 
and talking heads, which we are, is that <laughs> is that oh they get this good work in because you know so you don't have to work so hard in the preseason game. The preseason games used to be to try to learn the offense and defense, uh, the starters, how to create pace. The first game was for you to come out to get some reps, so you can learn how to like come out and get ready for a game. You worked all week, come out and get reps. The second game was to was built into like hey. Let's get a couple more reps. You know, let's work through a quarter, work into the second quarter, so you can see what's going. The third game, you'd come out after halftime and run a, a series or two. The fourth game, if you were lucky and you're a veteran, they'd let you play. If you were unlucky and you're a veteran, you watched the kid that was behind you playing, and you'd hope that he didn't have a good game. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the that, mental that, games. That's yes. that's what the whole preseason was, and it was exciting to watch because you got to see. All right, these are our starters. Now, the starter sits down. Okay, so this is the kid that can replace my starter. So you, you got to watch them. Now you're just watching guys, and the talk is all the time is that it's not exciting. It's super exciting to see these kids and some, some veterans, but some kids that are going out and fight for the position and trying to make the team. I enjoy it because it gets me. I get to learn who these kids are, what they can do, and what you can see. But like you said, it's a completely different ball game at this stage compared to what you just broke down with yeah. the four-game structure, the three-game structure now. I mean, you're lucky if maybe your starters get in one game, if I, anything, I, at this I, point. I hear people like Greenberg. <laughs> I don't want to beat on him, but I hear people like, oh, we got to protect our players. It's football. You can't ever protect them. There's There are tons of non-contact injuries now that I don't know why we have, but I think that the guys need to play. You need to get used to doing something. You, gotta, you need to go against – real competition like in preseason you take care of each other even though you're playing against another team you're going to take care of each other until it's time for you to like really get after it you don't really get after it and it just I mean that's the way it used to be unless these guys don't like each other now or something but <laughs> I mean I would never exchange a jersey with anybody I played with or against these guys exchange jerseys after games. I'm like, do you really like it? But it's, it's a different world. It is. It's very different from the time that you played. Not to date you in any capacity. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I preface my statement accordingly. If I knocked no. you down back in the day, I'd be standing over you looking at you. Now if they knock you down, they all grab hands and take a knee. Correct. Yeah. And you wouldn't, well, and once again, it's just a completely different mindset. Yeah. But I think it also comes from the perspective of, and not to say that you did not play with and against guys in college that you eventually saw in the NFL. But in fairness, Howard, a lot of these guys through events, whatever you want to call it, outside mm -hmm. of the NFL, they interact with one another. Where I don't think that was happening no, a great deal, I, I, right? I, you know, I, you were friendly with your Giants teammates. You weren't necessarily going out of your way to talk I, with I, guys from other teams. I mean, I, I mean my ten Giants teammates, we were family, but outside of that, yeah. you know. I mean, even, even like Buffalo with uh, Canaeus Bennett and Bruce and those guys, and Canaeus was like – my college teammate, we didn't hang out. Like, uh, no, Derek, once he took off the Alabama jersey, yeah, that's it. Derek Thomas Goodbye. from Kansas City, you know, God rest his soul, he'd come town and play, or we'd go out there and play. We'd be like, we're like, all right, you know, see you this summer, maybe. <laughs> but I ain't hanging out right now. This is not it. So it's just, it's just different. It's a different mindset. And I think that's been spelled out definitely over the last few decades, mm -hmm. especially. But as far as the approach with these Lions practices, I think from at least the player standpoint, and this is something you can relate to and attest to, it is nice to go against somebody who's not your teammate, who you've been going against right over the last few days, just to get a different look. Because I would think, Howard, when you go up against your teammates on a daily basis, you sort of get an idea of the tendencies of the player you're going up against, right? After a few days, well, it's nice to differentiate a little bit all of that. You start getting because once the plays are all put in, and that's what they're trying to do is get the entire playbook installed. Then you can start. You start hearing the calls, and you start hearing the calls. So you kind of know where the guy's going. So we, you start yep. getting what we call the Einstein plays, where you're stepping to the play before it happens, and like they're running the blitz, and like you guys are already shifting. They're like, "Come on, man! You, you, I'm like, you run the blitz like eight times. You go, I got to eventually get it." If I don't get it, I go in the meeting and coach is like, they've run that eight times. You can't block that yet. Like, okay, so, you know, like it's like I'm protecting myself. I hate to do that to you, but they're like, okay, I'm going to slide inside. Just warning you. Yes, I'm giving you a heads up. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot of that. It's, it's a lot of – it's a good stuff. So when you, when you play against another team, you get to learn some new tendencies. Hopefully you get to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know if they – you know, there's no – I don't know if guys even fight anymore. I don't know if anybody gets upset. <laughs> so, well, there were no fights today. I can tell yeah, you that. Yeah, so that's so, at least there's a positive. Yeah. yeah. But Dan's a good. But Dan's a good guy. He, he kind of gets his guys going. Sure. Yeah. Well, and they're also a physically minded team too, based on you know what they did last season, how far they've come along. I mean, you could tell he's put his stamp 
on that franchise. Oh, you know, good, completely one eighty kneecaps is what Dan's talking about. Well, no, but yeah. I, but I think that they'll play hard. I think they'll go out and go go tough. I don't think that you know they'll tell them like you know Dan will be really hard on, them, but hey, play clean, play clean, play clean, and they'll play clean for them, and won't, they won't get you know into the mud until season starts. I also think it helps that Brian Dable and Dan Campbell know each other very well. Yeah, they too, do. right? They're, because they're, you had two coaches that prepared accordingly. They were crossing paths with the Miami Dolphins organization. Mm-hmm. So did Joe Shane. Yeah. Not to say that if there were two coaches that didn't know one another, they wouldn't they have would, ample time. They, they wouldn't practice against each other. Correct. You always want to at least have that trust factor already yeah, built in. So that's a big reason why, obviously, when they saw that they were on the preseason schedule together, they figured, all right, might as well maximize a few extra days leading up to mm-hmm. this contest. But as far as what I was talking about with respect to Detroit's physicality, you have Aiden Hutchinson up front, mm-hmm. one of their young pass rushers. So that's good for the sake of the Giants' offensive line. Even a guy like John Kaminsky, too, who had a really strong season for the Lions last Mm -hmm. season. He's another pass rusher. And then at the linebacker position, Jack Campbell they just drafted. Alex Anzalone is a seasoned vet. And they really have revamped their secondary. Cam Sutton they brought in from the Steelers and C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I mean, the one that I'm labeling here, you're talking about playmakers on every single level of this Lions defense to give some exposure to this Giants offense. Well, what they're doing is hopefully, you know, is the Giants are getting a chance to, like, do their base runs, do some passing against them to, to try to get some base passes against them. It's going to be one side. Think about this. Well, Detroit was not a blitz-heavy team. They just played basic defense. Sometimes they got burnt on it, but most times, they, you know, they, they did a decent enough job to keep them in the games and, you know, kept them close to the playoffs. On the other side, you got Wink, who blitzes every down in almost every situation. So it's, that's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see the philosophies how they work out. Is if the other coach of Detroit's guys are going to like okay, well we'll just start blitzing too. It's just going to be interesting to see. Well, and that's why I'm sure the Lions they'll take that exposure right yeah, and they'll say thank you very much because it's not something we see in practice every yep, single day. It's something that you it's a huge teach when you see things like okay, this, they're blitzing everywhere. What is going on? Like it, it just it just helps out. And as far as the unofficial depth chart is concerned, I know you don't put a lot of stock in it, but I want to at least okay. throw out just a few observations. Daniel and, Jones is not starting. Okay, we're going to get some more. Let's go ahead. I know, it, it's stunning. Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, Tommy DeVito. We had no idea, Howard, that the quarterbacks were going to be aligned accordingly <laughs> after the first few days of camp. But here's what I think at least is noticeable, whether or not you want to read into it. The interior of the offensive line for the Giants They have, from left to right, Ben Bredesen at left guard, John Michael Schmitz at center, right guard, Mark Lewinsky. Not stunning at all, but there was a lot of talk going into at least camp. Is it going to be Bredesen? Is it going to be Josh Azudu? They're alternating offensive linemen a lot. Clearly, Bredesen, as we had discussed on multiple shows, he's in the driver's seat. He was on the line last season. He's a polished vet. He's also listed as the backup center. I don't think it's stunning at all that the first depth chart that they release that he's penciled in right now at the left guard spot. It's just going to be like who plays. Let's see what happens when they actually play you know, some more live reps and stuff. But, you know, when you get a veteran and you're paying the veteran, you give the veteran a shot. You put him up there like, hey, look, it's yours to lose. And that's what they do. Sure. Well, but I, I think it also helps, don't you think, in terms of him being on the line last season. I know he was in and out of the lineup a little bit because of the knee injury. Mm-hmm. But there is some continuity, especially when you're talking about a guy next to Andrew Thomas. I, I get it, but I, I'm just going to say, like, you know, when Gates was here, there was a whole lot of rotation in those spots. There was, sure. Yeah, so I, I think that, hey, look, we paid you guys, we gave you guys these contracts, uh, yours to lose, but we don't expect you to lose it, get in here and, and let's get to work. So are you healthy? Let's go. But the other guys that are, you know, waiting, Azulu and all those other guys that are waiting in the wings, they want to play too. So it's going to be interesting to see how that really works out. That's why I said the, the big thing with the Giants is, one, is Evan Neal truly healthy? Because having the knee injury mid-season, missing a few games, and then coming back and playing on it for the rest of the season, uh, don't know. You know, I never ask any questions. Did you get surgery? Did you do anything like that? I just know that last year to this year, he has a big brace on his knee. So that's that's going to be a big question for me. Uh, another question is, like I said, who is going to be the two guards on the inside? And if they can, you know, can they hold up? If they can hold up just minimally, just just average, the team's going to have a great offensive season. I mean, a tremendous offensive season. You would be shocked at how good they could be if they can hold up a little bit inside. Well, especially if you want to also increase your explosive plays. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Jones is going to take some shots down the field. You need the offensive line to come through. So that, I think, is the noticeable takeaway on offense. As far as defense is concerned, 
There's been a lot of talk about the strong safety position next to Xavier McKinney and the nickel corner. They have Jason Pinnock penciled in next to McKinney, and they have Darnay Holmes in at the nickel spot. So Pinnock has had a very strong camp thus far. He had that one-handed interception a few days prior. He's also an experienced player who came over from the Jets. Dane Belton could very well be in the mix before the season starts. And then as far as the nickel position, you have Cordell Flott, but... Howard, we've seen during practice, they actually had an alignment where Trey Hawkins was with the ones and Adoree Jackson was kicked into the inside. So, so they're mixing and matching thus far. They're mixing and matching so far, but Hawkins is, a, is kind of a bigger player and he has good range and speed and can, can make plays on you know some of the more physical receivers. So if you had Hawkins on one side and Banks on the other side, or Adoree Jackson in the middle, you would have you know three very qualified guys that could really make plays and, and stand up against some, some big time receivers. Darnay Holmes knows that he's like in a, in a, in a battle for this. If, if Hawkins keeps maturing, Flott can play slot, play slot. He's got the quickness and the speed to do it, and he can stand up against some guys. He can also play outside, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he can definitely play outside. He has great ball skills. Like I said, Darnay Holmes has got to like really pick it up. The safety thing, you know, it's pretty interesting. You know, I think Pinock is the guy to, to beat out everybody else. Problem is they play three safeties. Who's going to be the third safety? Who's going to be the guy that's going to be able to step up and, and make those plays? But were they playing three safeties because they didn't have a choice because of the linebackers were all hurt? So it's going to be a, you know, it's a little interesting to see what's going to happen. Well, Nick McLeod, who, remember, transitioned to safety, he has cornerback in his background. Mm-hmm. So I think if they do throw out a third safety and you're putting him closer to the line of scrimmage yeah. and you want it to match up with a wide receiver, that's appealing. And then we saw Dane Belton show some flashes last season yeah. too. And he played, remember, Howard, a very versatile position Absolutely. in college. Absolutely. So, so I think both of those guys are appealing if they are thrown in yeah. with an extra safety on the field. They, they just need to be able to like keep up with the, all the plays and McKinney's going to be calling from the secondary. He's going to be, you know, you know, he's dialed in with, with, with Wink and there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Last facet, special teams, Uh-oh. the return individuals. Yes, oh, drum roll, please. <laughs> so Eric Gray is listed as the punt returner, Gary Brightwell as the kickoff returner, and Gray we've seen get work in during practice, and we know he has the skill set. Brian Dable's been asked about Gray left and right, and Brightwell, he's a core special teamer. Mm-hmm. He played all four teams in college. As far as who's behind them, just to give you an idea, Khalil Pimpleton is listed as the backup punt returner, and Eric Gray is the backup to Brightwell at the kickoff return position. And if Eric Gray, I mean, when you think about it, Howard, you got Saquon Barkley, you have Matt Breida, they brought in James Robinson, Brightwell's a running back too. The best way for Eric Gray to make an immediate impact on this team could very well come as the return man right out of the gates. I mean, he's also a good pass catcher. So like he, you know, he runs good routes, and yeah. and that's that's another way he can make a, a, a point. But when you got a lot of veterans in the room with you, and you know that a lot of them are probably going to make the team or get a good shot, you got to make sure you're more valuable to them everywhere on the field you possibly could be. As a return man, the Giants haven't had a, a big time punt returner in a while, and if he can not just catch the ball, but catch the ball and get a first down, like you know, gain more than ten yards of return, that'll make him invaluable to the team. As the kickoff return goes. I know Brightwell's back there to, to do it, but I think if we have 12 kickoff returns for the entire season, that'll be a lot. I mean, they'll, you're talking about the new rules, yeah? Just, just, they just, they, they, sure. they've taken it out of the game totally. They just, they just have. And you bring up an actually interesting point that I don't think we've talked enough about because we're trying to pinpoint: Do you keep an extra guy on the roster who's a sole special team return man? But to your point, Howard, if you're not going to get a lot of volume, it doesn't even justify you entertaining that idea. There's a lot of guys that are going to be sitting at home or in the practice squad because all of a sudden, if they're okay, if there's no true kickoff and kickoff return team. Like if you know if you're kicking it, if you kick it deep in the end zone, which most teams are going to do, there's no return. There's nothing. Nothing's going to happen. Sure. If you kick one short and try to like uh, pooch kick it, they're probably going to get the ball to 30 or 35. So you're giving up five to 10 yards automatically with the pooch kick. And if you squib it to them, they'll get it even faster. So yep. it's just I don't know how you're going to create a productive offensive play out of it or productive defensive play out of it. It's going to be almost impossible to have onside kicks. Is this the rules of change? So it's much? already hard enough to get yeah, an onside kick, yeah. yeah. So they've made it even harder. Sure. So that 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 part, like all those things take away a lot of jobs. So now you're looking at the team like, okay, well this guy is strictly a tight end and we can get, we can use him at, you know, at 
we use him as Waller's backup. We need a guy that can run passes, and we may not be able to block, so, but we can't have a guy out here just running, running routes. What are we going to do with that guy? He's going to be able to play special teams. Now it's like, well, we don't need him on kickoff, kickoff return. We don't need him on field goal, field goal block. Uh, I guess punt return or punting, can we put him somewhere? So that that's that's why it's going to be interesting. And you posed the question, when was the last time the Giants had a dynamic return man? I'll bring up, I think Dwayne Harris is the guy that comes to mind, Howard. Yeah, I would throw Har- out, right? Harris, Harris. Good. Yeah. And Harris also played on all four teams. And he wasn't a return man. The other name that I think is worth mentioning is Antonio Hamilton who wasn't much of a secondary guy, but he was a good, sound, defensive presence gunner on special teams. You know, those guys come to mind. But once again, as you mentioned, if you're not asking the guys to make big-time plays, it's, it's hard. then do you say to yourself, well, we're going to keep somebody who we know is an defensive and offensive-minded guy who's going to contribute, and it's not even going to be a question about how much we're going to use them on special teams? If it's me and you're a special teamer, if you can do it, man, try to be a gunner. If you could be an effective gunner or effective guy blocking the gunner, you can you can stop them from returning punts, or you can like get a punt return started. That's I think that's the most they'll be looking at. There'll be four guys, or five, or four four to five guys that'll be on the team because they're going to be used specifically to stop the gunner from getting down the field, or to be the gunner to get down the field. So some food for thought with respect to mm-hmm. special teams when it comes to finalizing the 53-man roster. A few reminders, and then we'll open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. The Giants Huddle Podcast, you can check that out on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head to Giants.com slash podcast. Run or walk with Giants Legends. The Giants Foundation will host a 5K race and kids run. It's presented by Quest. It's mm-hmm. coming up Sunday, October 8th. 9 a.m. at MetLife Stadium. Net proceeds will benefit the Giants Foundation. All participants will receive a commemorative T-shirt. After the race, stay for post-race festivals with appearances by Giants legends and a live DJ. You can register now at Giants.com slash 5K. Speaking of the upcoming schedule, it's officially out. Single-game tickets, they're on sale now. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium this season. You can visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. Also, you can take your fans to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more, all the exclusive member benefits you can learn as well, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, it brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the lines. 201-939-4513. Randy is in California joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Randy? What do you got for us? Randy? Hey, I appreciate you guys, uh, all your information and helping us with this, uh, all the job, hard work you guys put into this. So, well, thanks off, for tuning in. Appreciate and, it. And I got Cross's jersey, by the way. I'm old school, so my <laughs> well, there you go. Issue. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. You and Bavaro, man, you guys are awesome. So, just want to throw that out there. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, I was curious. You guys, they had a problem paying uh, Barkley ten million, right, for this year because it was kind of uh, high priced. With the salary cap going up and everything next year, and him going to be looking at what twelve to thirteen million under the tag, do you see a scenario where we may possibly move him if the season's going sideways before the trade deadline? I have no idea. <laughs> have they ever traded somebody? Uh, have the Giants traded somebody in the, in the middle of the season? Well, Kadarius Tony. Oh yeah, so, but, right. But yeah. that but that was because they were unhappy with him. Period. That that wasn't because the season was going bad. It's because they were just unhappy with him. Correct. Well, there obviously were other factors with respect to that. I mean, he's saying if the season goes in a downward spiral, would you look to make a move? I, I think Scott. To me, the best way to analyze that is look at the running back market right now. For example, Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts, right? He requested a trade. He's on PUP. Mm-hmm. Do you really think teams are knocking down doors right now like crazy to give up resources for a running back position that they're leery of locking up long term? So I think the only way that that becomes somewhat realistic, and clearly the Giants are not anticipating that happening, and I think there's value with Saquon beyond this season, but if I entertain your hypothetical, there would have to be a team that lost a star running back that had a huge void and was in contention where maybe they'd be willing to give up resources to even entertain that idea. Short of that, I don't think teams are going to be giving an overwhelming amount of picks 
or other star players to surrender for the services of a guy like Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and with Cook on the market, and he hopefully he signs, maybe he doesn't. With Cook on the market and um, Zeke still on the market, yeah. it, you got to think that there are guys out there that are, that are looking to play that they, you know, they're going to take a lot less money than to, to trade bar, trade for Barkley for. Not Do you the, think we'll pay him next year? Do you think we'll pay him next year? I have no Walter idea. Uh, and, I, and I think That's a lot of money. Well, think of it this way, and this is how I look at it. I think running back position is now based upon a four-year, you know, appearance in, in the league. I think anything they get after that, if a running back stays seven years, he's going to stay seven, but he's going to be unhappy for seven. If he stays ten years, he's going to he'll stay the extra five to six years, but he's going to be unhappy staying because they believe that they deserve more money, and if they're healthy, they get paid. I mean, and I think I think that they'll give him one extension. I think they'll go in the third year; they'll give him to five years. But outside of that, that's going to be very hard for running backs to get to get their money because the league is kind of like kind of turned to this. We're throwing the ball. They're going to pay their tight end more money. They're going to pay their their star receiver more money. They're going to pay their left tackle more money. They're definitely going to pay the quarterback more money. They're going to start. They they already pay the DB, the defensive end, and now it looks like the the guys that play in the middle. If a guy can put pressure on the quarterback from the from the you know nose tackle position or the D tackle position, they're paying them a lot of money. So like they're just Unfortunately, running backs have become what 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 tight ends used to be. Now, none of the none of the tight ends have moved up the chart, and the running backs have moved down the chart. And Randy, one other thing I'll add is I know you threw out it's a lot of money. Really, huh? it's not that much money when you look at the other franchise tags around the NFL. Mm-hmm. Running backs are actually a bargain. So I really don't think it's a okay. big pressure financial situation if they chose to tag him again. Because to Howard's point, you play out the four-year rookie contract, the fifth-year option if you're a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. They tag you two years in a row, and then they can move on from you. I mean, that seems to be the cycle in today's NFL. And, 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 and we'll let you go on that note, Randy. Yeah, Appreciate the phone call. First of all, and most of the backs, and, and just so you know, most of the backs don't make it that far. Sure. I mean, yeah. just, just don't. I mean, like Christian McCaffrey is a great example. He's... Playing for Carolina, he's doing a good job. He was banged up, was hurt. They're like, okay, we can trade or move on from him. They traded him and moved on from him. He's doing better in San Francisco, but he doesn't have the same kind of workload as he had in, in Carolina. So that's what they're looking at. They're like, oh, well, you know, we can get another guy in here, but he's not Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, but we don't have to pay him as much. And it's like that's that's kind of the way the league's looking at it. Well, they brought in Miles Sanders, to your point, right, mm-hmm. from Philadelphia. That's yep. who's replacing Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. And he cost them just over $6 million on average annual salary. It's a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems to be the thought process for most teams. Now, there's exceptions. You know, Derrick Henry got another contract, and there's a few other guys that we've seen. But out of 32 starting running backs, Howard, Mm-mm. what are we talking about? Four or five guys. Three. That get, you know. I'm just telling you. Three. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the volume is minute. And I think a lot of running backs around the league are coming little by little to grips with that. Let's yeah. head. And, and, yeah. and here's the last point on this. Sure. Like, after the running back gets the new contract, the, the, the big extension, Unfortunately, they all get hurt. That's the track record. That's the history that's on on the books right now. And that's another reason why a lot of teams don't want to risk locking up running backs for that long period of time. Because, I mean, even if you look for the running back by committee setup, Mm -hmm. most teams over the course of a season, they're going to utilize like three or four different running backs. They're going to have to. Because one guy is not getting through all 17 games. That's right. It's just not happening. I mean, Derrick Henry... To further lay out your example, if you remember the year after he got the contract, he had eight games played. So he already got hurt. I just, that's what I said. No, I'm, I'm completely with you. Zeke Elliott yeah. got the big contract the next year, hurt. And it's not like they, they meant to get hurt or they were like, oh, well, now I can take a break. No, they're just, they're, they're legitimately hurt. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Let's head back to the phone lines. We'll check in with Ben in Florham Park. What's happening, Ben? What do you got for us? Good afternoon, guys. Uh, and the opportunity to go to the uh, training camp practice on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to just ask about, about how, how the training camp is being run uh, and then ask about two specific players. Um, given it's the second year of Dayball and Wink, are the tactics in this camp different than last year, meaning that like they've installed some of their offense or some familiarity and confidence in some of the players running schemes? Is the are the practices and training camping run differently? And then around the players, I, I saw that Wandale was running routes on, on the side. I know he's popped. Um, do you think he's going to get activated before the start of uh, start of the uh, regular season? And then the other question is around Trey Hawkins. There's some buzz about 
that, that was the uh, the rookie cornerback uh, that flashed early. How's he doing? Uh, and you think he's going to be in the two deep at some point? All right, Ben. We'll uh, answer all those questions. Appreciate the phone call. You want to take the first one in terms of the approach to this camp? The approach to practice is almost identical. Uh, last year, they were doing things that were a little, little different uh, for to Daniel. Like that, they would throw stuff in and have him run plays, and he would know what the play was supposed to be before it got out there and what the defense was going to be. And he would look, and coach would look over at Wink and go like, and then they would send a blitz at him just to see what, how he react and stuff. This year, Wink is they, Wink is sending every blitz in the book. Constantly, Daniel has uh, more weapons to get the ball to. Uh, the offensive line is playing a little bit better. Uh, the defensive line is playing really well as well. Cause they, you know, you got some guys there that all want to make Pro Bowls, that all want to have double digit sacks. So they're like they're 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 cranking it up a little bit. So the offense looks a little bit better. Uh, Hyatt is outstanding, and Paris is out there like looks looks great. Shep's come back and look good. I mean, like. You know, and you said the Hodgins, the Slaytons, and all these guys look great. Waller looks incredible. Uh, uh, Bellinger looks good. I'm like, so as I say that, there's as many as many of those great plays they're having. There's totally totally great plays and highlights on the defense side of the ball as well. So I don't know. I mean, I I just I don't think there's a huge difference in practice. I think that the concepts that they were leaning into last year to, as an introduction, they will get expanded. That's how I look at it. I look at it, what you are saying is pretty much the infrastructure of the team is better in yeah, place. you got more people, yeah. more, more, more bodies to work with. And you also have that foundation of familiarity that you didn't have at this time last year, right? Because they were all pretty much new, with the exception of the Buffalo Bills players that were with Dable, and then some of the Baltimore guys that were with Wink, like Jihad Ward. They mm -hmm. had an idea of what Wink was running, but it was far and few. Now the volume is much higher. Compared to last year, the, the, the volume's higher, but I'm telling you, there's just like you just add on to what you were doing. Like, okay, we liked this last year. This was really good. Here's what we can do in addition to. Sure. And then you just add another layer. It's like anything else you do. Like, okay, here's here's what we're going to run, and you can see they had a pretty pretty broad playbook last year, especially offensively. It's just going to expand even more. And now when he rolls out and he's looking over to dump the ball to Saquon, they'll be, oh, no, there's three guys open over there. Instead of, like, there's nobody open now. There's going to be more people open. There are going to be more options. Whereas the option looked before, it was like, okay, we're dumping it out. It was option one. The option might be upfield now and work its way back down to the, to the guy going out in the flat. Well, because to your point, if you're adding guys like Jalen Hyatt and Paris Campbell into the mix, mm -hmm. there are things that they could open up that weren't present last year Yeah, with them being on the field. So Absolutely. that's what you're saying about it expands your playbook because mm -hmm. it could actually, Howard, be similar plays but more options off of that yeah. play because of the change in personnel. And if the offensive line's holding up, the play won't be the first easiest throw every time so yep. you know it's gonna be interesting to see how it all works out now as far as Wondell Robinson is concerned he's on pup if he doesn't come off of pup prior to the start of the regular season he rolls over to regular season mm -hmm. pup which means he'll have to miss a minimum of the first four games to the caller's question you have to understand he got hurt much later in the season last year than Sterling Shepard he got hurt in week 10 against coincidentally the Lions the team yep. they're having a joint practice and he had a 100 yard game one mm -hmm. of his best games, and unfortunately tore his ACL. Would it be crazy if he starts on Pop Howard? No. When you take into consideration when he got hurt and then didn't have surgery until about a month later, it's possible it could eat into the early stage of the season. It should eat into the early stage of the season. Correct, because based on previous guys that yeah, have gone just, through similar like, injuries. Like, you know, 12 years would be October again. Or when was that? October when he got hurt? Yeah, it was late October, early November. Okay, so he got hurt late October, early November. So so he would, in theory, he'd be out the first, you know, almost half the season to get to, to a year before they could bring him off pup. Yeah. So I, I don't, I mean... If he comes back early, it's because in his mind, he's like, I, I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. They'll, they'll keep testing his knee. Uh, what the doctors will be testing his knee to see where he, where he is physically. Uh, but it's just hard to do. I'm like, I'm sure he's over there now. Like, man, we got a lot more receivers in this room. I, mean, I need to get I need to get my reps in. I need to get some, I mean, get on film. So. Yeah, he may have, be anxious yeah, to get on the field under the circus, but they got to protect him from he, that, Howard. Protect because him from himself, yeah. Exactly. He could re-injure it. Now, the best example I could also give you is Matt Paird, if you recall. Yeah. He started last year on Pup, and remember, he got hurt at the tail end of, of the, the previous season yeah. against the Eagles. Yeah, but, like, un unfortunately, everybody's not the same. Like, Shep, yep. it, it gets hurt, but he heals so quickly. So he's, like... Everybody's body's not the same. You can't you can't rush guys back. You can't 
you know, hold him out. You can't, and you're not trying to hide a guy. That's the other thing. I, I don't want to make sure that, that people don't think that John's trying to hide him by using him up. If he's hurt, Eric, if he hasn't fully recovered, he just hasn't fully recovered. So I think it's possible he does start the season off. It's still early. Yeah. There were six guys that were placed on pup mm-hmm. at the beginning of training camp. Since then, we've had three that have been removed because yesterday you had A. Sean Robinson taken off the pup as well as Marcus McKeithen. Mm-hmm. So those two joined Sterling Shepard. You still have Wandell Robinson on PUP. Yep. So it's possible he comes off a week from now. It's possible he stays on. I think there's room and flexibility in that department. And there's no limitation. Once you get rolled over to regular season pup, he can stay on there as long as they want until they decide to activate him. Okay. So they're, once again, these I, are the rules really, that are built in. I don't, I don't yeah. really enter workings of those rules. I try not to talk about them too much. Well, I was going to actually test you on them before <laughs> the end of the show. If, if you so do, if, if you, you do, if, if I'm them. just like, no, nah, I don't know any of them. I ain't going to lie to you. That's why I'm here to fill in some of the gaps. We compliment <laughs> yeah. one another yeah, from that time. perspective. Yeah, yes, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Scott in New Mexico joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Scott? What do you got for us? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Doing all right. What's happening? Uh got a question for you. Uh, last year, the Giants in the, in, uh, were fifth, I believe, overall in red zone scoring percentage. That's touchdowns only. But I think when I was listening to Warren Shop, he said efficiency per play, they were first in the red zone, if I remember the conversation. But the odd thing about it is they didn't do it through the air. They did it via the run. And I have some questions in regards to that. They have a multiplicity of, uh, as you've addressed already, of receivers now with uh, Hodgins, Beasley, if you want to throw him, and then the speedsters, Hyatt, Waller, Campbell, Slayton. Do you think the Giants are going to change the way they actually uh, look at the game in regards to the run attack? And the reason I mention this, between Daniel Jones, who ran for, I think, over 700 yards, and uh, Barkley, who ran for, what, 1,200, I think, or a little bit more than that, with Breda and he ran for over thirteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, they had almost about twenty two hundred yards in rushing in the rushing attack, and that is fairly prominent for a team. But do you think because of the weaponry they have now, they're going to change their dynamic and change the philosophy of what they were doing? Because what worked in the red zone was the run. And do you think because they now have the uh, advantage of having more weapons to address in the red zone, they'll change the way they're actually going to approach it? I was just curious what your impression would be. I think that it's going to be easier to do a lot of things. I think that the run's still going to be prevalent. I think it's going to be uh, harder to stop the run because you got wa- got Waller standing on the outside. Um, you're going to have a uh, Hyatt that's going to be like maybe taking the ball in from further than twenty yards, twenty yards in. So right. that that's also a, a big thing. I think the red area of moving the ball is going to be prevalent. I don't think they're going to, quote-unquote, change their entire philosophy because of it. But I just think because the weapons that will be outside, uh, standing out there, it'll be easier to run the ball in because you can't pack everybody in with Waller standing on one edge and Hyatt and, and, and Slayton standing on the other edge. And forget about those two. Think about right. Hodgins himself, who caught a lot of touchdown passes uh, in the second half of the season. So with those guys standing around the edges, you can't just like load up in the middle to stop stop the guys from running okay. the ball. Yeah, you'll have more space, I think, to operate, yeah. especially in those tight parameters. Keep in mind, Scott, in the red zone. But I'm with Howard. The reason why I don't think they're going to abandon the run is, I mean, I'll use the Buffalo Bills as an example where Brian Dable came from. Every year we talk about, oh, this is going to be the year that they're going to tell Josh Allen you shouldn't take as many hits. And every year, right, Howard, right. Josh yeah. Allen leads the Buffalo Bills in rushing. So I don't think you're going to say to the Giants, well, Daniel Jones, you want to be careful, but Daniel Jones is a weapon on the ground. He's got that skill set. So if he's in the red zone and you give him the green light and he can take it himself with his legs, then right. you tell Daniel to continue to do that. And, of course, you have Saquon Barkley and the complimentary back. So they're still going to have to have the presence of a run game. Any good team in the red zone has to have a strong run game but to Howard's point Waller's presence Hodgins presence these big lengthy guys will also give Daniel the flexibility to maybe throw up a 50-50 ball and have faith that those guys are going to go up and make plays we're not throwing up 50-50 balls well my my point is if a defender's in the vicinity okay I will remove the 50-50 label he will target them in those tight parameters in the red zone there will be guys open 
I hate to okay. say it. Well, but Gallagher. if there's a defender in the vicinity, are you they're, okay they're with Daniel be, throwing? They, but they're going to be guys open. I think I think this okay. whole 50-50 thing is bad bad for football. I think the, the expression itself is horrible. I hate when people say that. How about a jump ball? Can we call it a jump we ball? We don't need any jump balls. We don't need any jump you balls. You know, you just want I'm, I'm, I'm going to find the term that satisfies you. You're not going to find a term All right, well, that will be my goal, whether I finish it today or I'm moving forward. I will find a goal. But continue, Scott. Okay. What else I, you got? Yeah. I have one, one last question. Sure. Uh, do you think uh, Daniel Jones in his career has averaged uh, over 400 yards rushing? Uh, obviously, the quarterback, the prototypical quarterback, is the people that are coming out now or people that can run the football. It's prevalent throughout the NFL. Do you think uh, having the weaponry he has is going to cut down on the amount of runs they want Daniel to do to protect him, or do you think – uh, they're going to gear it a different way and let, just let Daniel do whatever he needs to do and not hold him back in regards to the amount of rushing yards he might have. And I'll be glad to take your answer off the air, guys. All right, Scott, appreciate the phone call. Great question, but I, I don't think it has anything to do with Daniel, and, I, and I'm just being serious about it. I think the weapons on the outside, we've talked about that a lot, but also what happens is, is can the offensive line hold up? I think they were doing rushes with Daniel to try to help control the, the rush. You know, if you got a whole bunch of guys coming, you know they're going to blitz, okay. We know that one player might be limping out there and he's trying to do his best job. We're going to send extra pressure on the side to make sure we get somebody running free. So what do you do? You run away from that side and, and let guys go. And that's what was happening during you know during last year. Daniel has been, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, and I don't want to badmouth anybody, but Daniel's been running a lot because he had to run his first few years in the league. Uh, if he didn't have to run, He'd probably be throwing the ball to guys that were open, not 50-50 balls, open guys. And so, like, in, in, when you got guys that are open, you get more confidence. And, and I don't think people realize that you get a lot more confidence. So, like, when guys are open, you can see them better. So when a guy starts to get close to him, he's still open. But if you start out and you're looking and you see, for no for no better term, you got a guy in, a, in the Giants in a blue jersey and a guy that's following in a red jersey or a green jersey or some other jersey, and you see that jersey you can't see him, you don't usually throw the ball to the guy. And the, and the theory of the 50-50 ball and the expression, I get it, oh, the, the, he's a great 50-50 catcher. That means he's not open. And I tell people that all the time. They're like, oh, but he, he got a great wingspan, a 50-50. He get jumps ball. He's not open. And like you throw it up, or you throw if you throw a fifty-fifty ball or a jump ball, you throwing it out of desperation. You're not throwing it because he'll make a play on it. Well, I guess the guy that comes to my mind with that expression, mm -hmm. whether you see it fit or not, DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, with his athleticism, Howard, he's smirking. Well, uh, this is going to be some response, but let me just throw it out. <laughs> Hopkins, if I'm a quarterback, okay, I'm just telling you my perspective. If I have DeAndre Hopkins down the field. Whether he's open, he's got a step on the defender, the defender is all over and blanketing him. I feel good about giving him a chance to make a play. That's all I'm saying. Because I have faith in his track record. So that's why I would use the 50-50 jump ball expression. That is so bad. I feel bad for you, DeAndre Hopkins. I feel bad that you've been painted into this light. He's been open most of his career. The reason why he's without doing, a doubt, the sure. reason he's why he's doing fifty fifty balls. The quarterbacks he's been playing with, you know, for for the most part, outside of uh, Watson, were you know at best average. The offensive That's line right. he's been playing yep. with the entire time, or is at best average, and I do mean at best. Watson was the best quarterback he had. And he and then they got him out before Watson could ever even like really feel you know fully realize the potential of, of how Hopkins could be when they got the offensive line just a little bit better. That was Bill O'Brien, by the way, right? I yeah. just want to say that. And so that's what you're looking at. Hopkins is not a fifty-fifty ball catcher. He is a desperation ball catcher because everybody's throwing it to him because everybody's covered. The quarterback is flushed from the side. Like they're doubling Hopkins for the play starts. That's not a fifty-fifty ball. That's desperation. He's going to throw it up. It's like a basketball rebound. We're fighting for the ball. And like he would have 300 catches a game, or 300 catches a year, if he wasn't being triple team and quadruple team if someone else was on the other side. He'd have 300 catches a year if the offensive line was decent enough to protect, you know, so the quarterback had time to throw the ball. Because he's open. He's got great speed. He has great hands. Like this same thing that was with, with Megatron. Yeah, three three to four guys would be on top of him, and they would throw the ball to him like, okay, we're just going to throw it to him because he's going to out-jump and out-do that. That's not 50-50. That's because they, 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 you're throwing it to a guy in a desperate situation. Where are the other guys on the field? 
Well, I think they also have more trust that he can win the desperation more so than maybe some of the other guys on the opposite side of the field. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying that. that, I think that's part of the thought process, too. guys knock the ball down and you don't get the first down, and then, like, on all those teams that he was on, that he's played, and he was that guy that's a desperation ball guy. Any playoffs? Well, you know what I remember most with Hopkins? Any playoffs? Who? Hopkins? Yeah. Yeah, they went to the play. The Texans went to the playoffs a few times. One time. I'd have to look that up. You may have uh, to Bill look. O'Brien and the Texans went to the playoffs a few times, Howard. You were giving him his kudos earlier. Now no, you're taking I, it no, away. No, I wasn't giving him kudos. He went to a giant. I mean, Alabama killed my team. But uh. okay, well, I, I, you know, I thought you were insinuating. No, the Texans. They they were in the playoffs for look the Houston Texans from 2011 through 2019. They were in the playoffs six times. Doing that span. Well, that's Jacksonville. So okay, I don't want to give him, let's let's not get too crazy there. <laughs> Six times in the span of ten years. Jacksonville, Indy. Nine years, rather. Andrew Luck yeah. retired. Yeah, it's not. Tennessee was Lord have mercy. Well, it was Tennessee. Look how many times they finished first or second in the division here. Again, look at the division they're in. Don't so okay, think. so now you wait a minute. You you first asked me, did they make the playoffs? I give you they make uh, yeah, the playoffs, they and now you give excuses. As I'm to not why giving they you excuses. I'm just telling so, you. Look at the division they're well, in. Listen, you're a product of where you play. You oh, take advantage God. of your environment. I'm not going to blame Bill O'Brien yeah, and the Texans Jack, making the playoffs. Uh, I think. Well, Tam- Tampa made the playoffs last year, too. Correct, and everybody was sub-500. Yeah. Well, what about the year that Washington won the NFC East? They were sub-500. And yeah. then that's happened also in the NFC yeah, South I think with New Carolina. Or- New Orleans did it one time. Yeah, it, it happens, happens. You know, time to time. <laughs> Seahawks were 7-9 and nine one year. Mm-hmm. They made the playoffs, too. Mm-hmm. I give you plenty of examples. Plenty of bad teams. Well, that's, you know, unfortunately the nature of the beast. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's head back to the phone lines. Maurice is in Montclair joining us here on BBK. What's happening, Maurice? Close. What do you got? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing well, good. Hey, um, I'm I'm curious, right? Like, uh, knowing about the the new weapons the Giants got and all this fancy stuff that we're doing, someone in particular, right? Daniel Bellinger. Um, I'm worried and I'm concerned that we get a new guy, and I'm I'm loving the fact that we get Darren Waller, but I'm wondering, and, and um, I think Howard, you can speak to this. I'm wondering how does Bellinger keep his head down and make sure that he's still doing what he has to do and how does the staff look at the situation and say like well we still want Daniel to uh, grow at the rate we saw him growing last year because I felt like I didn't know we was going to get there in a while so I felt like bro I'm good with uh, Daniel Bellinger going into the next season so I'm, I'm wondering like how, how do we how do we get the, the best out of Bellinger this year and keep him on the field along with all other good weapons we have and, I'm, and I want to know from Lance um uh, hey, uh, five touchdowns for Daniel Bellinger, uh, over or under, and I'll take it off the air. All right, appreciate the phone call. So, so first off, so for all the fans that are wondering, like that's a great question. He's asking if Bellinger is going to be able to, you know, be uh, still continue to grow. Will he be able to be a com- uh, contributor to the team with Waller on the team? And you know, Waller is going to go and some of the other weapons on the outside are going to take a lot of plays from. Him. I'm just going to tell everybody today, Bellinger is going to have a much better season this year than he had last year. It's a very simple thing. He is the inline blocking tight end. They will run a lot of different plays in the game, and there will be some pass plays. From them. And when he's in line, there will be guys that they got to cover all over the field, and Bellinger's going to be a prime open target. I, <laughs> I don't know how many more touchdowns he'll have, but if they're running the ball and they show the running formations down there, and guys are still spreading out to try to cover Waller on outside, Waller goes in motion, Bellinger's on the inside – you, you, everybody's focused on Waller. Bellinger's going to be right there again. So he's going to have a much better year than he had last year. Remember, he was injured and with the broken eye socket as well. Yep. Uh, I think he'll be healthy for most of, if not the entire season. And if he is, he's going to have a much better season. So great question, but he's going to be good. I, just watch him in practice now. He's looked awesome. Yeah, and I don't think Bellinger's the type of guy to take anything for granted. So I wouldn't even be worried about another tight end coming in, you know, and impacting him from a mental standpoint. Plus, no, as you just two two different two different spots. Sure, no, but also, but even if you realize that there's competition brought in, Bellinger was in a spot last year where he was having a productive rookie year, and then he was off the field. Yeah, so but... he was watching other guys who could have easily taken his spot, and then he came back. So he understands. That in a yeah, snap but, of like, a finger. I, I tell people, like, it's just two different spots. Like, I played for 13 seasons. They brought guys in constantly. Like, 
well, we're going to need a new star and tight end. We need to help somebody out. And the next thing you know, they're like, okay, well, Howard, where are you? Or why aren't you in the game? I'm like, you guys said you brought him in to replace me. No, you can get your butt on the field. <laughs> so he's like, it's not it's, – that's what Bellinger kind of looks like to me. He looks like the guy that's going to be this every-down player that you need all the time. I think Waller's going to be a very in, huge contributor, huge contributor. But, like, if it's like, okay, uh, it's third inches – are we running to Waller's side? No, we're going to run to Bellinger's oh, side. Oh, okay. We're just checking because, you yeah. know, everybody's right. Like, unless Waller, we run over there, we're gonna, he's going to be popping out to catch a pass maybe. But I'm just saying. And I think Waller is, is, is an average blocker. I think he's going to, like, if he understands this offense, he's going to have to, like, okay, I'm going to have to get my nose bloody a little bit. And he'll he'll do it. Oh, well, he has the frame to do it. Yeah, you, your frames are great. <laughs> no, you got to be able to capitalize yeah, and use you it. Got, sure. You be no, able I to completely do it. understand yeah. that. Yeah. And like I said, that that's why this this practice with the with the uh, this practice week with the Lions is a big thing. So you know, you can see like, okay, guys, I'm just gonna let me stand in position here and like act like I'm gonna block. They're gonna try to run over me. So it'll be interesting. Bellinger's bulked up, so I think that's another good indication for him as far as blocking is concerned. As far as five touchdowns over under, he had two last season. I still think Waller is going to be the favorite target-wise, and there's a lot of competition in that red zone that we just talked about. So I'd go under on Bellinger. Could he double his touchdown total? Could he get four? Sure. I, think I don't see him going over five. It just depends. I, I Like I said, if, if there's a lot of red zone plays and he's in the game with Waller, like they're going to have to cover both guys. They just are. If if he not if he's not relegated to blocking the whole time and trying to help somebody on one side or the other protect the quarterback, he'll have a lot of opportunities. You're going to be shocked. I'm telling well, you. Oh no, I wouldn't be shocked if he has opportunities. I just you know five touchdowns though, six touchdowns if you go over. That's still I mean that's a high volume for even a guy like him, especially when you take into consideration the other weapons. If it's red zone touchdowns, right, and you're second down instead of like it's second and five, and and you're on the on the let's say you're on the fifteen. Second and five, you're on the 15. You can't even look this up. Second and five on the 15, where you think that they're going to run to try to get you know close to a first down, and they pull up and throw the ball. That's where it, that's where that guy, that particular position, that sp- specific position, that's where that position catches the most passes. So first and first and five, first and ten, they they look at it like okay, well they run, they run it to get down here the entire time. They fake the hand off, they pull the ball up, and he pops out. It's like a it's a first and five to you know second and five or second and second and two, if he catches the ball right there. It, that's where these tight ends get the most get the most burn. And now that there's a receiver on this side, a receiver on the other side, that's that's trouble. Remember, the other thing is, do all these guys hold up too? You have to take into consideration. I think the receivers are going to hold up. There's enough of them. <laughs> there's a bunch of them. No, I, I, but what I'm saying is, is that. There's certain guys that I think will get more targets than others. So that if they are removed, maybe that changes the balance and the dynamics. But if they do stay healthy, you know, that's still more competition for even the tight ends. I think that in this case, in this particular situation for this team, there are so many weapons. They have to be interchangeable. And I think that it's not going to matter, like hold up if, you know, unless it's like the the one guy that that will – or the, the one guy that could affect the offense the most is basically uh, Danny Dimes himself. If he's out, we have to look at things maybe a little differently. The second guy, if, if you're thinking about it, is if something happens to Andrew Thomas. You know, that you, you need him. And then, you know, after that, is if whatever other lineman. I think there are so many receivers and tight ends that are on the team right now and that and will be on the practice squad that they're going to have a big pool of guys that, that are going to be playmakers and, and, you know, dying to get into the games no I'm with you there the volume is there I guess what I'm bringing to the table is Daniel and his level of trust though with certain wide receivers especially if some of those guys are on the practice squad Howard and he's not practicing with them on a daily basis the rapport and the chemistry Mm -hmm. is not at the same degree as the guy that may have gone down due to an injury Mm -hmm. and it may take a little bit more time for them to get to that level and what did I say to you earlier that's why we don't like what balls 50, the 50-50 balls. balls. Correct. And you well, want guys no, no. to be open. <laughs> no, 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 but, but you... guys open, you don't have to worry about it. You apologize. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. You, but you're do, making your no, own no, no, argument, no, no, no. big man. No, my, my example, hold on. My example was DeAndre Hopkins, not a guy that you're bringing off the practice squad to throw 50-50 balls to. You want, so, and you want my example? Yeah, who's your example? Hodgins. 
But Hodgins is a starter. And Hodgins is a, is a guy who already has trust with Daniel. So I'm totally well, 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 fine with that. Relax. Yeah. yeah. Where did he come from last year? He came from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all of a sudden he comes in. And what is he when he's on the field? Wide open. Sure. Throw the ball to the open guy. <laughs> no, but, what, but, what, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that you, Daniel, if Daniel wants to trust Isaiah to give him something when he's more well covered you, is my point. I love you to death. Almost every pass he caught, he was wide open. Well, I, I'm not talking about last season. I'm talking about the evolution into this season. That's what I'm talking about. You're rehashing last year. I'm not even talking about I'm last I'm telling year. you, if you watch practice, he's throwing oh, the ball to oh, the well, open guys. Well, well, practice and games are two different things, though. You don't point. think he's going to be looking to the open guys? Oh, that that sure guy's going to be, to that guy's gonna be open. But, but what I'm saying is, is that when you when you work with a quarterback, okay? okay. This is my point. Okay. When you work with a quarterback right. for X amount of years— I think there's more and more trust that develops that mm -hmm. even if a guy is not exactly wide open, mm -hmm. as you're laying out, okay. that you may be more willing to take a chance yeah. in throwing the ball in his direction because you believe even if he's not open, he'll do something, worst case scenario, it'll be an incomplete pass. That's what I'm talking we about. We should do a podcast cost a long yes. and short of it because you are so wrong right now. Well, Here's your example. Yes. In practice right now, who's catching some of the biggest plays in practice? Like Jalen Hyatt is. Really? Yeah. Did he just get here? Yeah. Oh. Sure. Is he wide open? Well, of course. Well, but Hyatt also has. <laughs> yeah, but Hyatt has a ridiculous amount of speed. He's open. He's not Isaiah Hodgins, though. Throw the ball to the open no, no, guy. I get that. But what I'm saying is Isaiah Hodgins is not a speedster. Is like he Jaylen open though when he runs routes? He is, but there are. T you're making it sound like everybody is running wide open all around the I'm field. I'm telling you, and that there, nobody. There, there are enough guys yes. on the field that are going to be wide open. That there's not going to be a lot of 50-50 competitive catches. Okay, there may not be a need for that, but but there's going to be times in a game where. Where, where does that come? Where Where do you know that? Where did that come from? Where did what come from? That that concept. The fifty-fifty. No, the wide I, open receiver. I lost you. I'm not New exactly. New England. Okay. New England had a so, bunch of guys like you and one big yeah. guy like me. Sure. And you guys would shake and get open and Brady would throw the ball to you. There was not a lot of 50-50 balls in those games. Well, yeah, but I could give you examples where I think Brady <laughs> – No, I, I, Howard, I, I get your point, but I still can find – I think – do you know what it is? I think it's Kefta a difference. Kefta came from Kansas City. Sure. Were those guys wide open? Well, Tyree but you, were, you had an overwhelming amount of speed on that team, too. Oh, Let's not, it was an overwhelming amount of speed, Howard. You're arguing, you're, arguing, a, you're arguing with a guy who came from two spots that had wide open guys, and they were very successful. I'm not disputing that. That's not, I'm not, you're, you're, I think you're, you're missing my Look, point. No, no. I'm listening. I'm, no, you're doing yeah, the best you can. Buffalo. I'm not trying. I'm not trying. Even All, Buffalo, the, yeah, well, the receiver, the receiver, the start receivers, what's his name? Stephon Diggs. Oh, yeah. really? That's his name? But, but what I'm saying is I could give you examples where Diggs caught contested passes. What I would consider a contested throw. Okay. but So for, I think it's a matter of for, you and I if, defining if, that if, if differently. He, if he had, yeah. if he had 60 catches for the season, how many were contested? How many? I wouldn't say half of them. I mean, that would be insane. Could a third of them be contested? Slightly mm, under that? Probably under that. Okay, but, but that's not. I don't why, think that's right? crazy. You know why? Because he's open. That's what the game's about. I love the fifty-fifty talk. I love hearing it all the time. I think it's really cute. But you need to watch games. The guys that get the ball, the guys that are wide open. If there's a contested throw. It's like he was open when I threw it. Okay, no, and and then see now now I think you are on the same page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meaning open when he threw it, meaning you saw he had a step. But I'm saying yeah. by the time the ball arrives there, there could be a definition and an interpretation of it being contested. That's where I'm coming from. That's what DBs do. Okay, yeah. okay. so that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Come, yeah. As I would say when I'm with, 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 with Smelk, you're in the weeds there, buddy. Hey, we, <laughs> we have enough time on this program to go in the weeds. We go through the trees, we go through the leaves. We go through uh, all different formations that come yes, from the so forest, as I like to say. With that being said, that will wrap up Monday, Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live as we lose track of all of these days here <laughs> during the course of training camp. We appreciate everybody tuning in. And we reminder that it is part of the Giants platforms everywhere as well as Giants.com slash podcast. For Howard Cross, I'm Lance Meadow. Back up and running again on Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And we'll speak to you on Wednesday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.